Father in heaven, I thank you for the truth as it is in your word. We're not here tonight to hear an extraordinary sermonic presentation by a human being. But we're dumb enough to believe that God is going to show up and speak tonight. We will be unsatisfied if only Myron Edmonds speaks. But if you speak, we know things can happen. So we ask you right now, Holy Spirit, you know that this is the most important message that can ever be preached. I ask for your help, your power, your clarity, the moving of your spirit right now. As you did it for Jesus, as you did it for the apostles, do it even for me. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Take out your Bibles, put them in the air, repeat after me. Thy word word is a lamp lamp. unto my feet feet. and a light light. unto my pathway. The word of God. God. Come on, say it like you said when you're in the mirror and you're pretending you're a preacher. The word of God God is is my textbook. textbook. Not what I say. Not Not in my opinion. opinion. But the word. Come on, but the word, come on, but the word of God is my textbook. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand praise tonight. Come on. (laughs) All right. Let's get to it. Uh, It is a blessing tonight that you are furnished with all the information that you can have if you have not been here. Additionally, as you can see on the screen, if you go to our website right now, some of you can do that on your phones. Uh, just wait till I'm done, you know. <laughs> but if, uh, and I don't mind you going on your phone to use your Bibles. I know many of you are doing that now. I often do it because you can just go back and forth through different uh, versions of the Bible, your iPhone, your Blackberry, your Droid, whatever. But when you get a chance, go to gvillesda.org and all the sermons that have been preached thus far, as well as others, are already uploaded there. You can go there. As a matter of fact, I have a, uh, Ella Tate, who does such a wonderful job with our quizzes. Let's give him a round of applause. Uh, y'all don't want to clap. You better clap. See, they're mad, they're, they're, they're mad because uh, they didn't score as high as they wanted to. Y'all need to pay attention. <laughs> he is a great quiz master and teacher, and uh, we thank God for him. Ella Tate, I'm thinking that I want to give away an Apple iPod to somebody loaded with all the sermons as well as the Black Experience Bible on MP3. A whole, I think I want to give that away to somebody, but, th- but we got to give it to somebody. you got to take the quiz to another level. You know the level you've been holding back? We're going to wait till next week. We're going to wait till next week, and you got to come back next week, but we're going to work that out. And this has got to be more than a five-question one. For an iPod, that's about, what, 200 and some dollars? That's got to be at least 10 questions there. <laughs> and the Bible experience, that's about $100. So uh, uh, you're going to have to earn that one. Come on, say amen, somebody. But some of you, uh, you watch your kids with the iPods, and you, and you know you secretly want one. So uh, 
So you might be able to get it, depending on how well you're doing this quiz. It's got to be, it's got to be a PhD level one, though, Doc. You got to, ra- you got to raise the bar on him now. See, he's holding back on you. He's trying to be generous and kind, but he, we're gonna push him to take you up a little bit higher as the week goes on. Welcome to flight school, and uh, we hope you're gonna be blessed tonight. For those of you who are first timers, what we're doing is studying the Bible. That's it. That's all we're doing. We're just studying the Bible, and um, we actually believe here that the Word of God is the only. Thing necessary for salvation and understanding life. Period. Nothing else. The Bible and the Bible alone is what we what we teach and what we believe. And tonight we are going to look at uh, study number three, uh, which is entitled "It Doesn't Make Sense." It doesn't make sense. How many of you have your your handout? You're going to use these tonight. You're going to be able to check and to write uh, various uh, uh, notes that I will share with you. What I gave to you does not have everything that's on the screen, so at appropriate times, you're going to need to write some stuff down. How many of you need a pen or something to write with? All right, we got some hands in the air that need some pens, and I think we got some, some of those pencils in the rear, so people are going, to, uh, uh, are going to come by in a minute and help you out with that um, and so that you can be able to have the information. How many have been blessed so far about what you've been hearing? How many have been blessed? Praise God. How many brought a friend tonight? Who brought a friend tonight? Praise God. Uh-oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Too bad you got past the quiz to get the iPod though. You probably got like three iPods already and an iPhone. No, you wouldn't be the one to get it. You need something like an iPad, right? You, you're like an iPad personnel. All right, it doesn't make sense. Let's review uh, very quickly. There are three sections to the book of Revelation. And Revelation, the 14th chapter, we're studying, we're studying just one chapter in the book of Revelation. That's all we got time to deal with. We got one chapter, and what we've been teaching, I don't have time to catch it all the way up, is that this particular chapter uh, reveals to us specifically how we're supposed to live in the last days. The Bible, Jesus is so good, I love him so much. I don't know about you, how many love Jesus? He's so good that he's not willing that any of us should perish, but that all should come to repentance, as the Bible says. The Bible says, surely the Lord God will do nothing except he revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. One of the things that I teach and believe is that the book of Revelation is not for deep theologians and pastors. The book of Revelation is not a sealed book. The book of Revelation can be understood by anybody. Period. If you ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand the word of God, then you ought to be able to understand the book of Revelation. If you believe what I'm saying, would you say amen? And so there are three sections in Revelation. The first two sections... Uh, well, there are, there are three main components. However, Revelation is set up like a good sandwich. Uh, you got some good bread on both ends. Come on, say amen. And you got some good meat in the middle. On both ends, the theme, and I don't have time to get all into it tonight, but study when you get a chance. Revelations 1, uh, verses 7 through 8, emphasize what the book is about. Does anybody want to tell me tonight what we, what we said that is? Talk to me. Don't be nervous. What is it? What is, what, is, what is the introduction and the conclusion? Revelation 22, 7, 12, and 20. Huh? Jesus is coming. Period. Period. The last thing, by the way, Revelation, the first chapter says that the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, the book of Revelation is Jesus revealing himself. No other book in the Bible, not even the Gospels, reveals Jesus like the book of Revelation does. I believe that the Bible is about Jesus. But Revelation specifically is about revealing what Jesus is up to and what he is about to do. All right? 
So the 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 coded language in Revelation is not so coded that we cannot understand. So on both ends, on both ends, the first chapter and the last chapter, it says this one thing: I'm coming again. I'm coming again. That's what the book is about. What did I say? I'm coming again. Tell your neighbor beside you what it's about. Tell him. Just tell him what I just told you. What is it about? He's coming again. All right, now turn around and talk to the person behind you. Tell him what it's about. Coming again. Coming again. Coming again. Coming again. All right? So the theme of Revelation is the coming of Christ. Now you say what I just said. That is the most important event that can ever happen. It's more important than you getting married. It's more important than you having children. It's more important than Barack Obama becoming the first African-American president of the United States of America. And no, Bill Clinton is not the first black president. Y'all stop saying that. It's more important, it's more important than, than a space shuttle going out. It, this is the event. This is what we're living our lives for. This is the very thing that we are hoping, if we love God, this is what we are hoping is going to happen. And so there are three things that he says in the book of Revelation to teach us about this moment. First, there's a message to the seven churches. And he says two things. Repent and be faithful. That's just a summary. Repent, be faithful. Write that down by that slide if you got it there. Repent and be faithful. Repent and be faithful. What did I say, everybody? Repent and be faithful. So in, in preparation for his coming, he says repent and then when you're done dealing with your stuff, be faithful. Somebody say be faithful. Number two, let me keep moving. And then there is this opening of the seven seal scroll. By the way, if you could understand how the book is set up, you can understand the book very easily. The book is set up with an introduction in the first chapter, and then we get to chapters two through three. There's a message to the churches, and then in, and, and then when you get around chapters four through eleven, there is just the opening of a sealed scroll. It doesn't tell us what's in the scroll. They're just being opened, and each time one of the seven seals is removed, something catastrophic happens in the earth. All in preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. And then, the third section are the contents of what's in this scroll. So, so follow me now. Revelation really is all about a scroll. It's all about this scroll that is in the hand of Jesus. It's all about this information that's in the hand of Jesus that he could not give to us until the end of time because we weren't ready for it. But he says, now you're ready. And by the time we get to the last section of Revelation, uh, around verses chapters 12 through 22, that reveals what's inside. It reveals what, everybody? Come on, hey, listen, talk to me tonight. It reveals what, everybody? What's inside. Now, what I just gave you is valuable information. This is doctoral level stuff, what I just gave you. If you can, if you can handle the introduction, the conclusion, and the three sections of Revelation, the book of Revelation will be that much more clear to you. Now, in that third section, the contents of the seven-sealed scroll, there is chapter 14, which is called the Pentacle, or, uh, you have to understand that Hebrew writers, the book of Revelation was written by a Hebrew under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and his name was John, the same John that wrote the book of John, but he was a Hebrew. The way that Hebrews wrote the Bible is in a chiastic structure. Now, this is, I'm, I'm giving y'all doctoral information tonight. A chiastic structure is like, it's like a pyramid. 
uh, they make their subordinate points in the middle and on the end, and their main point they make in the middle. So what I'm basically saying to you is, in the middle of the last section of the last part of the book of Revelation is Revelation, the 14th chapter. So the, the point of emphasis in the last section of the book of Revelation is Revelation 14. I know I just gave you a whole lot there. What I'm really trying to tell you is that the most important section in the last section of Revelation is Revelation, the 14th chapter, because that chapter tells us how to live. In other words, it's preparation information. What is it, everybody? If I told you that tomorrow, like I said before, somebody was coming to rob your house, rape your children, steal your stuff, come and kill all of you. You would need to know something. You would, that information that you have is invaluable. To know it is better than not to know it. Are you hearing me now? What God has done, the, the opposite is happening now. Instead of something bad happening, something good is about to happen if you're ready for it. But if you're not ready, it could be a bad thing. So we want to be prepared. Somebody say prepared. Oh, say that one more time. Say prepared. Oh, I want to be ready. That's the bottom line. I want to be ready. And so Jesus tells us how to be ready. Uh, let's break it down. Revelation 14, 6 through 12, there are three angels. How many angels? There are three angels that tell us how we ought to carry ourselves. And the Bible says these three angels are flying. They're doing what? That's why we call them this flight school. Because we feel like these three angels in Revelation 14 are going to teach us how to go to another level. Y'all follow me? Isn't that all right? These three angels teach us how to grow spiritually. Can I ask the question tonight? I don't want to assume. I just want to be clear. How many of you in here want to go to another level spiritually? Yeah. Yeah. No, for real, for real. <laughs> uh, how many are serious about God? Serious? Oh, let me, let me take serious down. Put your hands down. How many are tired <laughs> of where you are? How many are sick and tired of going in? How many are sick and tired of the same old set? How many want to grow in God? Then you got to be ready. You need to understand what these angels are saying. And so, after we've reviewed that, we understand that these angels teach us about the coming of Christ. First thing I want to show you that we learned last night is we told you why Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming because he just wants to be with us. He ain't coming to kill nobody. He ain't coming to kill nobody. That's not why he's coming. But some folks are going to get killed when he comes. Because they're not in relationship with him. He's coming because he just wants to be with you. The second thing we recognize is when he's coming. I, I just have to tell you, we don't know. All we can say is soon. Uh, when I was a kid, my, my mom and dad, they had, they had a, Vol a 1987 Volvo 740 turbo diesel. It was gold. I remember we got it. My dad drove all the way to Seattle, to Oregon to get the car. He loved him a Volvo. And that Volvo was a turbo diesel. That was the days when, when the diesel used to smoke up everything in sight. And, 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 and when we used to get home from school, we were latchkey kids. My parents would give us various chores to do. And, and nine times out of ten, we would fluster and flounder and wait to do our chores at the last minute before my mom and dad came home. My mom and dad, when they would come home down the street, we lived on a street called Albert Drive in Mitchellville, Maryland. Right outside of Washington, D.C. I could hear, <laughs> I could hear the turbo diesel turning down the street. That old loud diesel <laughs> coming down. And so by the time we heard it coming down Albert Drive, we would start pulling the last minute cleanup thing. The dishes would start getting clean. We'd start throwing stuff in the closet. Come on, say amen. I saw my kids cleaning up the other day. <laughs> I told my kids, go fix 
was in cleaning up that room. And I went upstairs, the room was spotless. I said, man, what a good job, Kevin. Opened up the closet, man, and I almost got killed. <laughs> That's how we used to clean up. So we used to, and so when I heard the car, I'd get ready. Oh, brothers and sisters, when you see the things that are happening, you may not know exactly when the arrival is coming, but you know that he's on his way. What I'm telling you is everything you're seeing in our world right now is sending you a cold red. He's going the way. He's on the way. Come on, say amen. amen. There are three S's of preparation we found out from Jesus' sermon in Matthew the 24th and 25th chapter. Number one, he says you got to have his spirit. Number two, he says you need to be good stewards. And then number three, he says you need to be about service. You ain't going to make it if the Spirit of God is not working in your life. You will not make it if God blesses you with gifts and talents and opportunities and time and truth and you do nothing with it but sit on it. And then thirdly, we found out that after God blesses you with all the stuff he's blessed you with, brought you from danger, seen and unseen, gave you a testimony, saved your soul, gave you talents, gave you truth, delivered you from danger, seen and unseen, gave you talents, gave you truth, gave you a testimony, delivered you from danger, seen and unseen, gave you time. And over and over again, his story works out a lot. He says, after all that, you got to bless somebody else. Ain't nobody going to heaven sitting up in a church just listening to a preacher shouting, amen, and going home and doing nothing. You got to be a blessing to somebody. You ain't, oh, listen, I can't wait to talk about this subject tonight. Lord, help me. You got to be a blessing. Spirit, stewardship, and service. Y'all say that. What? What else? And what else? In service, in service, in service. All right, let me get past this. Let me get past this. Let me get into the most important sermon I could ever preach. It doesn't make sense. Oh, Lord, you got to help me tonight. Notice what Revelation tells us. These three angels says, together, then I saw another what? Flying in the midst of what? Having the what? Stay right there. Having the what? To do what? One of the things the Bible is showing us right now, one of the key ingredients about being ready, ah, please hear me tonight. One of the key ingredients about being ready for the coming of the Lord is understanding and accepting and receiving the gospel. Key, key to getting ready is the preaching and teaching of the everlasting gospel. Somebody say the everlasting gospel. Now, this is what I like about this. The Bible says, oh, thank God. I'm so excited. I feel like I'm going to point B. I'm at point A right now. I've got to slow down. Let me slow down my engine and get in second gear. I'm getting, I'm, getting, I'm getting excited about this thing. The Bible says that the gospel goes to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. In other words, the good, the, this message that God has, we'll define it in a minute. This message that God has, God is no, dis, he's not a discrimin, he's no respecter of persons. He's an equal opportunity God. In other words, God says, I want everybody to get in on this good message. I want everybody, I want everybody to be saved. It's amazing that, that Christians serve a God that wants everybody to be saved, but Christians don't want everybody to be saved. So-called Christians. There's something wrong with God's people. And, uh, there's a contradiction. God wants, he says, every nation, tribe, tongue, and every, every, every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. He wants everybody to hear the gospel. Matthew 20, check this out. For the kingdom of heaven, let me read this one to you. For the kingdom of heaven is like, by the way, we use a lot of scripture. So, uh, if you get bored by reading the Bible... <laughs> 
You'll be bored tonight. Come on, say amen. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, uh, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will do what? I'll give you. So they went. Again, he went about the sixth and the ninth hour. Uh, some of us folk here in Cleveland that's struggling with this unemployment wish that he would show up here and start passing out jobs. And did likewise. Verse 6. And about the seventh hour, he went out and found others doing what? Standing what? And said to them, Lord, you got to help me tonight. Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. Now remember that, whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And here it goes now. When those came who were hired about the 11th hour, somebody say the 11th hour. It's only a 12-day work. 12, day, 12 hours. The 11th hour. They, they work for an hour. Are y'all hearing me now? Some work six. Some work the whole day. These brothers right here only work for one hour. And look what happened. The Bible says they each received a denarius. In other words, they got paid the same thing that other folk got paid that had been there all day. I can hear some of y'all now. I've been, I've been working this job for 40 years. I've been here for 20-some years, sitting at this same desk. I got more experience, more education. How's this young whippersnapper going to come in here and get the same thing I'm getting? They were all torn up. They was all messed up. They was in the flesh. They was gossiping. They were mad. But when the first came, watch it now, they supposed that they would receive more. They likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained. Oh, against the landowner, saying these last men have worked only one hour. And you made them equal <laughs> to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree? Somebody say agree. Did you not agree? Are y'all following this story? Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Uh, uh, and by the way, a denarius is a day's wage. Uh, uh, take what is yours and go your way. In other words, don't get mad because somebody else is getting what you got. You agree to this. It ain't your business. Lord have mercy. <laughs> what they're getting paid. Don't be you got what you want. Watch this now. I wish to give this last man the same as to you. It is not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things. Or is your evil, is your eye evil? Lord have mercy. Because I'm good. 
Oh, thank you, Lord. God is saying, hey, listen, I can bless anybody I want to bless. I can save anybody I want to save. Can I just cut to the chase? I can give grace and mercy to anybody I want to. Just because you've been around for 40 years doesn't mean you that you mean you more worthy than somebody that just came in five minutes ago. Just because you don't smoke, just because you don't drink, just because you read your Bible every day, just because you're at church for everything and they come to church once a month or maybe even once for Easter. It doesn't matter. I bless you all the bless. Your eye is evil. Don't complain. You get what you said you were in the first place. He says, so the last will be and the first last for many are called but few chosen. Let me explain something tonight. The gospel that we're talking about doesn't make sense. The salvation Somebody say salvation. salvation. The sal- I, 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 love, I love him. I love him. I'm sorry. I, I talk about the, the grace of God. I get so stirred up tonight. The salvation of my God is given to anybody who he wants to give it to. And it does not make sense. It is not logical. One plus one doesn't equal two in the spiritual. Sometimes one minus 105 will equal 250 million in the kingdom of God because God can do what he wants to, when he wants to, and how he wants to do it. The gospel, what I'm arguing tonight is that the gospel doesn't make sense. John 3 and 16 is probably the most poignant verse in the Bible that explains the gospel. Y'all read it or quote it with me. The Bible says, For God so loved the world. That doesn't make sense. That he did what? That he gave his only begotten son. Is what? Love is not love unless it gives. The Bible says that whoever, Lord have mercy. Y'all not catching this thing tonight. That does not make sense. Whoever. Oh, I can't wait to teach this thing. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but what everybody? Have everlasting life. And see, uh, we, we don't quote the last part, but I like this. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Come on, somebody. But that the world through him might. He, he ain't trying to kill you. None of us were born. We were taught. And one of the things I want to emphasize tonight is one of the reasons why people don't live right is because they didn't get saved right. There are a number of, number of us in here who didn't get saved right. And that's why you ain't never really changed. You got more religious, but you never got converted. Come on, talk to me in here tonight. And tonight is your night, because I'm going to teach it the way the Bible teaches it. The fact of the matter is, is that this salvation that our God gives us does not make sense. And if some of y'all already know where I'm going, you ought to be praising him right now that it doesn't make sense. Because if it didn't make sense, you would not be here tonight. You would not be here in this moment. You would not have breath in your lungs and blood still flowing in your veins. Your mind, we would have lost it a long time. If it made sense, you should have been dead in a devil's hell. Jeffrey Dahmer murdered and mutilated 17 men and boys in Milwaukee. Story says when he got to prison, he got converted. Whoever believes, them too. Osama bin Laden, terrorists. Jesus died for him. Yes. 
if he gets saved one day, he can come up in here and sit right next to you. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen. The Bible says, whoever believes them too. Oh, man, this guy, I think his name is Joseph Prince. This is the father. Some of you remember that that took his daughter and bound her downstairs in the basement for 24 years, slept with his daughter, had three children with his daughter. His wife, so-called, didn't know about anything. 24 years. She was downstairs. He had sex with her and had children with her. They had to admit her because her mind had been totally ravaged by the experience she went through. Guess what, though? Jesus died for him too. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Our homeboy. Come on, talk to me in here. So well. If he accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. I mean, let me go further than that. God loves him. He loves him just as much as he loves your sorry self. Jesus died for him too. And, 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 and the fact that he's still alive means that the Holy Ghost is still trying to get to him. Just like he's still trying to get to you. Did you, did you realize? This is, this is where I'm going with this. Jeffrey Dahmer, Fritz, and Sowell, you're not better than any one of them. And in the eyes of God, because salvation doesn't make sense, in the eyes of God, God does not see you better than he sees Saul. I'm, I'm just going to teach you what the word of God says. Andrea Yates killed and dr- drowned and killed all five of her kids. God loves her. <laughs> God died for her. Lord shed his blood for homosexuals. God died for them. Uh, fornicators. God died for them. Uh, thieves. God died for them. Child molesters. God died for them. Gossipers. God died for them. Proud and arrogant people. God died for God died for the drug addict. God died for the alcoholic. God died for the boy that struggles with pornography. God died for the husband that beats on his wife. God, are y'all gonna hear me in here? Salvation doesn't make sense. And God does not ever stop loving the sinner. It doesn't matter what they've done. You cannot cause God to stop loving you. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. All your life, you've been thinking God's trying to kill you. And you've been comparing yourself to other people, trying to make yourself look spiritual. But the Bible teaches us that all of us, if we believe, no matter what we've done, can have eternal life. This is the most important sermon I could ever preach in my lifetime. If I preach this sermon and die tomorrow, then I've accomplished my mission. God has called me to preach the gospel. And the gospel is this. God loves sinners. Every last one of them. God loves you. I said God loves you. Oh, y'all ain't praising him in here. God loves you. Oh, you ain't on the news. Oh, you're not Bishop Eddie Long tonight. But you, but you know what you've done. You know where you've been. You know what you fought. You know why you're here tonight. Some of you ain't even here for the right reasons. But God knows you. He reads your heart. He knows your motives. He knows your thoughts. 
every place you've been, everything you've done, you've done it under him. That's why David says, against thee and thee only, O Lord, have I sinned. The bottom line is you up there too. Don't be looking at my well. Don't just look at Dollar. Don't just look at the man the crackhead down the street. The bottom line is, whoever believes. <laughs> oh, what a great salvation. Now, what is the gospel? Is the gospel that if I serve God, I will be rich? Is the gospel God wants me to drive a Bentley? Is the gospel God ain't going to never let me get sick? I'm amazed by these faith healers. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible teaches that there is a gift of healing. The Bible teaches that. But if you got the gift, go to the hospital, go down to Cleveland Clinic. Don't be standing up in churches waiting for folks to put, put down a thousand dollar seed for your, for your cloth with a lawn on it. If you got the gift of healing, go to Cleveland Clinic, University Hospital, Rainbow, come over here somebody. I see a kind man. I know, I know a kind man when I see it. Come on in here. What is the gospel though? Uh, the word gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion. Which, uh, uh, euangelion, you see that right here, euangelion? You know, it, it actually has the word angel in there. And angel is the word message. So, what this means, that's you, which means good, it means good message. The gospel basically means good news. What is the gospel, everybody? Acts 20 and verse 24, y'all read this with me. The Bible says together, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. All right, so we're trying to define the gospel. First of all, the gospel, based upon the scripture, is a gospel of grace. A gospel of what, everybody? Grace is a, the word grace, write this down, means unmerited favor. In other words, you don't deserve the goodness of God. That's what grace is. Nobody deserves grace. Grace would not be grace if you deserved it. Grace becomes grace by the fact that you don't deserve it. Let's keep reading. We'll let the Bible define gospel. Romans 1 and 16. Together, the Bible says, together, together, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is what? The power of God to what? So the gospel is about salvation. Can we agree on that? It's about grace and it's about what else? Salvation. Salvation means to deliver. Salvation means to rescue. So the gospel is a good gospel. It's good news because it's a message of rescue. Somebody say rescue. Ephesians 6.15 says, And having shod your feet with what? The preparation of the gospel of what? So the gospel is not only a gospel of grace, it's a gospel of salvation. And, and see, when you get saved, God gives in some uh, for, for all the folk that know that God has done something in your life. You know what I'm talking about now. See, when you are saved, God gives you peace. All hell can be breaking loose in your life. All your, all your kin folks, they acting crazy, they stressed out, they worried about stuff, people on your job, they concerned, they worried, they're nervous, you might lose your job, you might lose a loved one, but see, when God has saved you, and you're in relationship with Him, you have peace, the Bible says, it's a peace that passes 
one's understanding. Uh, uh, you can't figure it out. You don't know why you're calm. You don't know why you got joy. You don't got no reason to be thankful, but but because grace is over your life, the gospel has done something to you. You got peace. The gospel is what? Good news of what? What else? And what else? With who? So what's the bad news? See, if the gospel is good news, then that means there must have been some bad news. Agreed? If Jesus came with good news, that must mean the folk must have had some bad news going on here. So let's find out. When God created man in the garden, when God, <laughs> I don't know how he does it, Bible says he's got the, uh, Psalm says he's got the whole world in his hand. We know that God is big, humongous, he is bigger than life, but yet he's big, he is God enough to condescend himself to get down in our world and shape a man after his image. And I see God leaning over big burly Adam who was without flaw, his eyes flutter by the very breath of God's, of God's, God's nostrils, uh, God's, God's breath in his mouth. I can see his chest heaving and the first thing that Adam sees is God. The first thing he sees is the face of God. And when he sees God, God immediately gives to him an understanding of what life is all about. And God tells him, he says, listen, I'm going to give you this beautiful woman named Eve. And I'm going I'm to give you a good family. I'm going to give you good rest. And I'm going to give you me. You have everything you need. But how many know when you get everything you need, sometimes it's not enough? Sin has a way of getting in and making you feel unsatisfied for what God has put in your life. And so a serpent came along. After God told them, he said, of every tree of the garden, don't touch it. He says, you may freely eat. He said, but of the tree of knowledge, and what else, everybody? We're trying to find out the bad news. Good and evil, you shall not what? For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely what? In other words, God has given them a warning. He says, I'm giving you choice. I'm giving you what? If you fail to do what I warned you to do, not to do, then you are going to forfeit my blessings. So a serpent comes along, infiltrated by the devil, the Bible tells us. Genesis 3 and verse 1 says, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? What is he doing? He's getting them to doubt the word of God. And listen to me, I've got to point this out. Every sin is rooted in a lack of faith. The Bible says in, in Romans the 14th chapter, it says that if it is not of faith, then it is of sin. Oh, y'all missed that in here. So y'all too busy focused on the person over there who's doing what we call bad. But God says, anything you do that's not a faith is sin. That's right. So everybody up in here got sin in there. Come on, say amen. Because everybody in here doesn't have perfect faith. And so the Bible says that, that it goes on for God knows, the serpent, that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. But how many know? They went ahead and they disobeyed God. And next thing you know, it separated them from God. And this separation from God started breaking down their relationships. Hear me tonight. Sin destroys relationships. First, it breaks relationships with God. Next, it breaks relationships with each other. Come on in here. <laughs> And that's why, listen, uh, all these, uh, amazing, my church folk, I love y'all. I love the Lord, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm, I'm making heaven my home, I love the Lord, blah, 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 I'm singing all the songs. But you mean to people. I mean, uh, 
you don't like people. How do you knock off? The Bible says if you don't love folk, you've seen. How can you say you love God when you have not seen? The true evidence that you love God is that you treat people with love. Even your enemies. And then it breaks our relationship with the world. The world is getting worse. And there's an example of that. Now, Romans 5 and 12, together, the Bible says, Therefore, we're trying to find out what the bad news is. The bad news is sin is in our lives. Therefore, just as through one man, watch this now, sin entered the world. And death through what? And thus death spread to where? Okay, that's what I'm trying to get. Because how many sin? How many sin? Oh, no, we're going to level the playing field tonight. All sin. The Bible says, as it's written, Romans 3, there is none righteous. Hear me tonight. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who speaks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Romans 3 and 23 says, together, For how many have sinned? For all have sinned. I hope y'all are hearing this now. Are y'all getting this now? Everybody, I'm just going to say it the way I know I say it. Everybody up in here is jumped up. Everybody. I don't, listen, man. It, it amazes me. So, this is your sin. Just, uh, see, the, see, Pastor, you don't understand. I don't have a little old sin like this. And see, the problem is, everybody else around me, they got, they got big old sins like this. But guess what? Little sin, and if that's what you want to call it, little sin and big sin all cause one to go to hell. <laughs> Jesus, when Jesus comes back, he ain't going to be like, oh, you, you are a child molester? Uh, well, I'm going to really deal with you. Everybody, listen, if you got sin in your life, and you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care what it is. You can stole candy from somebody's store. It's punishable of death. All have sinned. We gotta stop. We gotta stop giving degrees upon what's a sin and what's not a sin. Sin is sin. Your sin ain't better than mine. Your sin don't smell worse than mine. Your sin don't taste worse than mine. You're a sinner. Period. All have sinned. You're not cleaner than so well. You're not Me tonight. My mad. I'm mad now. See church folk walking up in here all. Praise the Lord. God bless you, sister. I don't know about these folk in here. They're just, you know, these they're the, the children are just rowdy and they just clown, they just acting a Jesus, 
when you're self-righteous. You can't have it both ways. And this is why we're like that, the, 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 the problem of Enoch. See, when we came in, we had to do this, and we had to do that. And now, I know I'm touching on something, I'm meddling tonight. See, 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 we, 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 see, when we're back in the day, you couldn't, have everything didn't go. Listen, the bottom line is this. It took the same blood. <laughs> it, it, it's the same solution, believe. The Bible doesn't say work, it says believe. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me slow down. I'm getting all riled up. Look at Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. The Bible says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. Thank you, Lord. Nor is his ear too dull to hear. He still hears your prayers. By the way, let me tell somebody tonight. Some of us feel like there's certain, I've got to get myself together before I come back to the Lord. Before I come back to church, Pastor, there's some things I've got to get right. That is a lie from hell. It was created and designed by Satan. You can't get yourself together. You'll be spending your whole life trying to fix stuff. The bottom line is, the Bible says, come on to me with your mess. Come on to me with your stuff. He says, my arm is not too short that I cannot say. Which is to say, it doesn't matter how deep you're in. <laughs> it doesn't matter how stuck you are. It doesn't matter what sin you have committed. I love the priestess. What all you have done, your God is able to save. Well, if this is the bad news, y'all, the wages of sin is death. Any sin. Galatians 1. Look at this now. This ain't new. He said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. Watch this. Watch this. To a different gospel. Depending on what gospel you came in, it's going to depend on how you live. I can tell how you came in based on how you live. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven, watch this now, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, watch this now. Let him be accursed. He says, as we have said before, so I now say again, if anyone preaches, it, listen y'all, please hear this, any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him, that's a double curse. Jesus is so serious about the gospel being preached the way he meant it to be preached and taught and lived. He says if you're doing wrong, he says be double cursed because you're dealing with people's lives. If you pervert the gospel, how folk gonna be saved? If you if you try to make it too high, how they gonna get over? If you make it too low, then you insult the grace of Christ. What you gotta do is let God's grace stay as it is in his word. Oh, I can't wait to tell you. See, a wrong view of sin will lead to a wrong view of salvation. Let me illustrate. Let me illustrate. Let me illustrate. Let me illustrate. Can y'all see that? Let me illustrate. This is how most of us view sin and righteousness. Now, now listen to my premise tonight. If you don't understand what sin is, then you will not understand what salvation is. Because salvation is the solution to sin. Did you hear what I just said? 
I, and it's been my observation that many church people and people in general, the enemy wants to cause confusion about what sin is so that we are confused on what salvation is. Now, this is what we view as sin. We see it as a downward spiral of bad behavioral actions. Watch. We say sin is lying. We say sin is stealing. Amen. We say sin is smoking crack. We say sin is having an orgy. We say sin is murder. And so if sin is a downward spiral of just doing bad things, then salvation has to be an upward spiral of doing good things. See, the only way, see if, I, see, if all I'm doing is bad things, the only way that I can be right is to do good things. That's if you see sin as just bad deeds and actions. So, so this is what we do. We have bad deeds, and so we say, well, I've got to fix what I'm doing, so let me go to church. Working my way up. Let me pay tithes. And I'm working my way up. Let, let me do service in the church. And I'm working my way up. And, and, and let me have devotion and pray and read my Bible. And I'm working my way up. And, or let me even preach. But guess what? You can go to church. You can pay tithe. You can give service. You can read your Bible. You can preach and not be saved. Watch this. And you can lie. You can steal. You can use drugs. I'm going to mess somebody up right now. You can fornicate. And you can murder and not be lost. That's if you view salvation based upon what you do. <laughs> somebody say, wrong. <laughs> That's not what the Bible teaches. But that's what we understand because our whole society is based upon performance and reward. We, even, we don't even know how to teach our children what grace is. So if you're a good boy today, Johnny, then I'll get you some ice cream. If you, if you don't talk, if you do good in school, if you make good grades, then I'm going to reward you with a gift from the toy store. You follow what I'm saying? But if you're a bad boy, I'm going to mistreat you. If you're, I was talking to my kids the other day, and I was telling them a story about the grace of God for worship. And I said to them, I said, does God like you when you do bad stuff? And my kids said, no. And so I said, does God love you if you do bad things? And they said, no. And I said, well, when does God love you? When I do what's right. And I said, God help me to teach these children that salvation is not based on what you do. But see, we're not used to that because our whole lives are based on performance and reward. But listen to this. If salvation was based on your performance, then everybody in here would go to a devil's hell. Ain't nobody in here that good. Ain't nobody in here that righteous. Ain't nobody in here that faithful. Ain't nobody in here that spiritual. No, not one. The Bible says all have sinned. 
me to preach this tonight. Proverbs 4 and 23 tells us what we ought to be focused on. We're not to focus on bad deeds or good deeds. The focus is on our hearts. God help me tonight. That's why Proverbs says in verse 4, chapter 4, verse 23. Read this, y'all. Keep your heart with all what? For out of it spring the issues of what? Of life. For example, and I've said this before, that my sister right there, she's sick. She's coughing. She has, an, she has a headache. Come on, what's all microlizing? Stuffy head fever so she can rest medicine. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and runny, runny nose and, and eyes and she's coughing and she's sneezing and she got diarrhea. Lord have mercy. Come on, y'all been there before. Them stomach viruses are the worst ones. Come on, say amen. If you got a stomach virus, don't come to church. Them things spread like wildfire. <laughs> Those are the worst ones. And she's all messed up. She's sick. She's got a fever. She's got a temperature. And you know what we do? We do the same thing when we treat this. We'll go and we will. And watch this. Remember now, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. What's wicked? The heart. I watch this now. So a person is sick. Watch this. Let me show you. We'll go and we'll get some NyQuil. But NyQuil tells you what it treats. NyQuil, as much as you think it does, does not heal the flu. It tells you. It says it's a multi-symptom relief. It's a temporary fix, Lord have mercy. NyQuil represents the good deeds we have. We're sick on the inside. See, if I'm sick, my problem is not my cough. It's not my sneeze. It's not my diarrhea. My problem is there's a virus on the inside that I cannot see. But the problem is, is we're always trying to treat symptoms. So here they come. Help me, help me to illustrate this, Lord. Here they come. They come into church. Dressed all the way up here. That pierced all over everywhere. Nose and, and, and the side of the face and everywhere. Cleavage out. Then, and then dude beside her, corn rolls and alcohol on his breath. They got the smell of sex all over him from the night before. And they come in and, and the kids, uh, the kids is running all over the place. And we say to ourselves, we got to clean them up. We got to dress them up. We got to get them to take off that stuff. We got to get them to stop having sex. We got to get them to stop doing this. We got to get them to stop smoking weed. And you know what you're doing? You're giving them spiritual NyQuil. Man, are we going to learn that the way to change a person is not to take paint and paint it over the mold, but the way to get the, you got to get some Clorox that has power to kill, power to destroy the bacteria. Pastor, they don't know enough. They don't know enough. That's why they're leaving. They're not leaving because of that. They're leaving because your heart ain't changed and more than either. See, when the heart is changed, why are we still giving NyQuil to AIDS victims? Why are we still giving NyQuil to cancer? Why are we still giving NyQuil to, to, to Lyme's disease and lupus? It does not heal. We treat the symptoms. So 
know, to fight through our stuff. We are all hell is breaking out in our home. I'm getting ready to close this thing. We got all kind of drama going on at home. Wife sleeping in one room, husband sleeping in another. Kids strung out on drugs. Daughters promiscuous. We got problems and debt up to our nose. We're full of unforgiveness and bitterness. We still mad at somebody in the church, and what we do is we come in. And the Lord is looking like everybody else is impressed. Look at that girl, bro. She sure can go. That girl knows she can shout. That girl knows she can sing. They know she knows she can teach the Sunday school lesson or the Sabbath school lesson. She know. Oh, he know he can preach. Oh, that boy sure out the door. And you know what? God is sitting there the whole time saying, "Sure did." You need to use church to treat symptoms. And so many of us come here, and the truth is, I'm going to preach this thing the way it is, right? There are many of us in here right now who have never really gotten saved for real. We just learned how to be moral. There are atheists who know how to be moral, and they're more moral than most of us in here. You don't even know how to fake morality. Lord have mercy. And there we are. We go back home. Go back home. Oh, Lord. We go back home. Galatians 3, verse 1 and 3 says, You crazy Galatians. This is from the message. He said, Did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. For it is obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly. He says, let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete their own efforts. What was begun by God? If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin with. <laughs> uh, let me just pause for a minute. Let me just, we got to take a praise break right now. How many of y'all know that you were not spiritual enough? If you can just stop being sanctified for a minute and just think back from it. How many know where you were when he found you? How many know what you were doing when he saved you? How many know what your mindset was when he came near to you? How many know how dumb you were? How stupid you were? How crazy you was? How, come on in here, somebody. But he took you where you were. It wasn't because you were good. It wasn't because you were special. He said, did you go through all this painful learning process for nothing? Is it not yet a total loss? But it certainly will be if you keep this up. Keep what up? Keep up the game of just trying to work your way to heaven. Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness, Lord, Listen, y'all. We are so messed up that even when we're doing good things, we need the grace of God and the blood of Jesus to cover our good things 
because our good deeds are as filthy rags. Y'all know what the filthy rags are, don't you? They told y'all what those are, don't you? Is that not offensive or what? And Paul said in Philippians that he says that the God, he says your, your works are like dumb. Do I have to tell you what dumb is? We need the Lord. <laughs> we need him all the time. We need him on our good days. We need him on our bad days. We need him at church. We need him when we're at work. We need him at home. We need him when we're not at home. We need him and we need him bad. <laughs> What's the good news? 2 Corinthians 5.21 Bless his name. Y'all forgive me. Forgive me. I love the gospel. So listen to this. For he, this is what Jesus did for y'all. For he made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin. Every sin ever committed, every sin ever fought. And remember now, sin is not just deeds. Sin is your nature. That we might be called, Lord, thank you tonight. The righteousness of God in him. Romans 6 and 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but bless your heart. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many know you didn't deserve it? How many know you're not worthy of it? How many know it's because of the precious blood of Jesus? That's why the Bible says, says, and do not be conformed to this world. It says, but be transformed by the wearing of your clothes. Be transformed by what kind of car you drive. Be transformed by getting education. The Bible says that the salvation thing has got to start in your heart and in your mind. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives within me. And how many know it got to be him? How many know you can't take anything for granted? How many know you can't take any glory unto yourself? If there's any good thing, the song said, let it go to Calvary. <laughs> let me wrap this thing up. Romans 5, verse 1 and 2 tells us how this thing happened. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith. How did you get saved? By faith. He says, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace, which we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory to God. Oh, let me get to, my, let me get to the text I want to get to because I got to close this thing out. Oh, I like this. I got to read this one. Titus 3 and 3 through 7 says, For we ourselves were also once foolish. Amen. 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 Sister P. Charles, amen. Amen. I know you're saying that. Amen. We were, uh, let's be honest. Uh, can I, I'm still foolish in many ways. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I just graduated. I'm, I'm just at a different level of foolishness now. He says, disobedient, amen, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But <laughs> when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appears, Lord have mercy, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy. <laughs> He did what? 
saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out of us abundantly. Oh, bless his name. Let me show you. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. This is my last text. How, how does salvation happen? The Bible says, but God who is rich in mercy. Oh, Lord. <laughs> because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus here it is for by grace my man Lionel Harris sings a song were it not for grace I can tell you where I'd be wandering down some pointless road to nowhere with my salvation up to me he says we've been saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest anyone should boast Where were you when he found you? You're nasty, but it's grace. You're mean, but it's grace. You're unforgiving, but it's grace. You are a liar, but it's grace. You are an adulterer, but it's grace. I want to thank him tonight that he keeps on loving us when we are unlovable. Take out your card tonight. <laughs> Where are you? Where are you? Check your preferences it says there. It says I'm in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you tonight if, if that's you. There may be somebody who says, I want to experience the joy of real salvation. And then somebody else may say tonight, I would like to open the door to Jesus right now. And there's somebody who may want to say, I want to start this new life with him. I want to be baptized. I want to go forward with Jesus Christ. The love of God yeah. is so awesome. If you check any one of these, or if you just you're just thankful tonight that you that He could have killed you and He didn't. Yeah. If you just rejoice tonight that He loves you no matter what you've done, I want you to stand with me tonight. If you just are grateful. <laughs> Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. One Friday, I see my Savior, his wrists are tied with leather ropes. His hands clasp a wooden splintered pole. And there's a Roman soldier with a cat of nine tails, glass, 
and rock and bone. And 39 to 40 times, he whips my Lord. And while Jesus is being whipped, he thinks of everything that we did. He's reminded of every sin we've committed. But that doesn't discourage him from getting up. Now I want you to see him walking through the streets. He has this, 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 this crown of thorns on his head. He has this, this cross on his lacerated back. And while Jesus is thinking of you and me, and in the crowd they mock him, they spit upon him, they laugh him. People are healed. But he keeps on going. Now they hang him. They lift him up high. They take nails. One inch and a quarter. Seven inches long. And they pound it into his left hand. And pound it into his right hand. And into his feet. And not for one minute does he say, it's not worth it. Every sin that we've committed. The word we are not. The word we are shoot at us. And my God, the only thing, the only thing that he said that I can remember. He said, save yourself you can't take any credit he did it if you're thankful tonight I want you to just lift your hands father thank you for the gospel in Jesus name amen you may be seated I want to invite the ushers if they will come and collect the cards as well as your offering tonight How many know that we serve a good God? How many know we serve a good God?